Now we're studying the epistle of Jude, and um, the last time we were talking about uh, we're in verse eleven, we're in verse eleven, where Jude said, "Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit, and have perished in the rebellion of Korah." Now we spoke extensively about uh, the apostasy of Cain and the greed of Balaam in. Um, uh, Balaam, when Balak the, uh, enti- uh, invited him to curse the people of Israel because they felt intimidated by their presence, because Israel, on their way to the promised land, were going to cross through through his land, and he did not like the prospect of it because he had heard what God had done to other nations in the journey of the Israelites. So he invited Balaam, and we've been through this because what Balaam eventually did, because he wasn't able to curse the Israelites, because like he said, how can I curse the people whom God has blessed? And as I explained the last time, that applies to all of us who are children of God. We cannot be cursed by anyone because God has blessed us. Nevertheless, um, Balaam then suggested to Balak the king that the best thing to do was to entice the people, the Israelite men, into um, fornication, sexual immorality with foreign women, you know, with um, with foreign women, the Moabite women. Now, God had forbidden that. God had forbidden intermarriage for the Israelites. They were not to intermarry with other nations of the earth because there were people separated unto God and also God detests and still does idolatry and what Israel was Israelite men did not only did they get seduced by the Moabite women into all kinds of sexual immorality but they also followed these women to worship their gods the, you know the Baals Baal Peor that uh, the Moabites worshipped and as such they incurred the wrath of God you know, in so doing. Balaam, of course, who came up with this idea, was also destroyed by God for his the part he played in that. But the Israelites also suffered because they were not faithful to God. Now, you know what? We still have the same kind of issue today because Christians, we are told we are not to uh, intermarry with non-Christians. Yeah, people don't like to listen to that. People don't like to hear that. But it's still the same thing because they will lead us. They will undermine the presence of Christ in our lives. They will lead us into all the idolatry of the world. Now, idolatry now is not just restricted to the worship of idols, but idolatry is in very many forms now. The entire world is entrenched in gross idolatry today. This is why we're told to come out from them and be separate. Christians are meant to be separate unto God. We are not to intermarry with believers. Of course, I mean, there is a place where if you had been married to a non-believer before you came to know Christ, you are told, the Bible tells us you are not to divorce them because you are now a believer, as long as they're willing to live with you. But if they want to go, you are free to let them go. But anyway, I'll leave that for now. So that was the thing. Balaam did that. So now, uh, Jude says that these people have perished, apostates, you know, the false teachers in the church that he said had sneaked into the church, have perished in the rebellion of Korah. Now, this is not to say that the apostates were dead. They were still alive and well, and they still are alive and well today. We have, we've got them, we've got multitudes of apostates and false teachers and false prophets and every kind of falsity you can find in today's church. But the fact remains that the Bible says very, very clearly that their condemnation has been written written from the very beginning. Whose condemnation has been written about from long ago, Peter said. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. In the same way, 
um, in the same way uh, Jude also says it, like uh, he says that these people, black as darkness has been reserved for them. So ju- the judgment of apostates and all these false teachers have long been written. They've long been written. And someone was trying to convince me yesterday that these people are still God's work in progress and God is going to save them. I don't know where that comes from. It's certainly not biblical because what the Bible makes very clear is because these people stand in opposition to God because this, because they despise the authority of the Lord. They, their condemnation has long been written. Black as darkness, the Bible says, is reserved for them. So Jude says that they have perished in the rebellion of Korah. In other words, they will surely perish. And what did Korah do? Now, the issue of Korah, we'll look at, uh, we'll find in Numbers, chapter 16 of Numbers. Korah was uh, one of the leaders of Israel. He was from the Levite um, line, the line of Levites who ministered in the in the temple of God. But they were not the priests. But they ministered. God had you know, separated them unto himself to be to minister before him in the burning, uh, in uh, taking care of the holy things in the temple. Now, Korah, uh, along with another two, um, with, along with another two men, uh, Abiram and uh, what's the other one called? Al- along with these other two men, they went over to Moses and Aaron, who were the Le- um, Dathan and Abiram were the other two. Now, Korah was the spokesperson. He led these people, plus two hundred and fifty other leaders of the Israelite assembly. And they went to accost um Moses and Aaron. Aaron has been had been chosen as the priest of God. He was the one who was to burn incense before the Lord. That's what God had assigned him to do. He alone could do it. And then there was Moses who was their leader. And these men went to, they rebelled and went to them and said to um, Moses Look, <laughs> the Bible says, I take it from verse 3 of number 16. They came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, You have gone too far. The whole community is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourselves above the Lord's assembly? Yes, they rebelled against God's chosen authority. They decided Moses and Aaron could not just be the only ones to lead them in worship and in serving God. They were all holy. God was with every one of them. So why did they have to be under the authority of Moses? Moses and Aaron had gone too far. They were pushing their lock. Who did they think they were? They weren't any more special than the rest of them. You know, they said all the things and they rebelled. And um, Moses told them, look, it is not against me that you have uh, rebelled it is against God because Moses was God's chosen leader Moses did not elect to serve God Moses did not call himself into the ministry he did not call himself to serve God he did not have himself ordained by any man or institution or body to serve God he was called and so when the people rebelled against his authority they rebelled against God and you know what happened Um, if you read chapters uh, chapter 16 of Numbers. I can't go into the full details now, but what happened was Moses asked them, okay, you want to be ministers before the Lord? You want to be priests? Fine. Bring your censors tomorrow morning and come and burn incense to the Lord. And they did this and um, God destroyed them. In that chapter is recorded the very first earthquake because what God did in his anger towards this people who had called themselves trying to impose themselves on God on God establishing themselves as leaders before God when God had not called them into leadership 
Now, what happened was God decided. He swallowed them up. The earth swallowed them up live. Them and their households and all that they owned. The earth parted and swallowed them up. Yes, you know, all them, the entire families, these three men who rebelled against the authority of God in his servants. And um, the rest of the Israelite assembly, you would have thought, would have learned their lesson from that particular uh, incident. But no, they went the following day and went and grumbled against Moses and Aaron that they had killed the people of Israel, they had killed their leaders, and God's anger burned against them too. And of course, God inflicted them with a plague that, oh, you still haven't learned your lesson. You still want to speak against my authority, do you? And 14,700 of them were, were destroyed, killed by plague. Until this said Aaron and Moses, the only leaders acceptable to God, chosen by God, went and interceded on their behalf. And that was when the plague stopped. But before then, 14,700 of them had perished. In addition to... Uh, Dathan, Korah, and Abiram, and their families, and their kin, Keith and kin. So you see, this is what the Bible says about these apostates, because the same problem still persists today. The same problem still persists today. All apostates and false teachers, they never, they refuse, they despise the authority of the Lord. Jude said that earlier. Peter also said it. They despise the authority of the, of God. They set up their own church today, and set themselves up as leaders. Not called by God, but they call themselves. We have, we are plagued today. That's where everywhere you turn, everybody is a pastor, everybody is a bishop, everybody is this. Now there is a place where we 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 can appoint leaders in the church, in the, and the only two positions in that, which is the overseers, which is a bishop, and deacons. And the Bible makes very clear how, what we are to look for, the qualities to look for in such leaders to, because God is a God of orderliness. These people, are, uh, you know, can be appointed by the church body, by the entire assembly to oversee the activities and the, and, and the welfare of the church. And just, just those two positions, bishops and deacons. And the, like I said, the conditions for their election are made very clear. However, we have the gifted men, the offices of the gifted men. And these, quite honestly, cannot be done by men. Only the Lord Jesus can call his members, I mean, uh, can call his servants in that wise. And that is why, when we look in Ephesians chapter 4, it says in Ephesians, Ephesians 4 from verse 11, I believe. Yes. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. See those positions. We cannot, we do not have authority to bring people in them. Only the Lord Jesus calls those whom he has chosen into such positions of leadership. And they are called to teach the people, to preach and to teach the people. For the purpose of raising this people to be useful to the people to be useful to God, to maturity in Christ. 
That is what they're called to do. And such people, their message is always the same. The same message you find all through the prophets and the Bible and the apostles. The message never changes. The message is the same. Because you know what? Living the Christian life is an arduous task. It is a lifelong career living as a Christian. Because we're not going to be made perfect this side of heaven. Until we see the Lord face to face. And as such, it is not easy because every day we face new temptations, new levels of temptation, new trials, new tribulations each day. And striving through each day is enough trouble of its own. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 from verse 25 to uh, 33, I believe, where Jesus was saying about don't worry about what you should eat or drink and what you shall wear and all that. He said, seek for us the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else will be added unto you. He said, sufficient for the days, the troubles therein. So, you see, we have to take one day at a time. But when we have apostates and false teachers in our midst, which we have now, we've got an army of them. They come up because they've called themselves, they are lacking in the anointing of God. And like I said, the anointing, they are the ones who are always shouting about anointing and talking about anointing. But then what is this anointing? I have said it before. The anointing is the God's given ability to testify to his glory to preach about him, to speak authoritatively about God and to speak authoritatively word from God. That is what the anointing is. It's not the ability to show yourself as something extraordinarily special and you've got the anointing to turn a poor person into rich and you've got the anointing to turn a barren woman into mother of children. That's not the anointing. And all such boasting is ungodly anyway. Because under no circumstances, God traded his sovereignty to his servants in that kind of way. But then you have those user-friendly messages being devised because the anointing of God is lacking in the lives of of um, false teachers and false prophets and apostates, all these people, they're all this one and the same. Because the anointing of God is not lacking, they come up with all kinds of idle notions, all kinds of weird interpretations of scripture, all kinds of ridiculous false promises that they cannot keep. I ruffle very many feathers when I speak about miracles and not for today. Not to say God cannot work miracles, but they are not every Christian's entitlement. They are not even promised to us as an entitlement. People freak out when I say things like that. People freak out when I say things like, we do not have the, uh, the offices of apostle and prophets today. People go mental with me. They go mad. Call me all kinds of names. Tell me I'm not called of God. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yes, because I don't have any user-friendly messages. I've got word from God and that's what I've got. I did not volunteer to serve God. I did not choose to. I didn't even know who God was. Until he called me and told me to start preaching. I need nothing to preach about. Except the words he put in my mouth. And so it's still the same thing today. But you see. We have a problem where people who call themselves into the service of the Lord. They've got to show themselves to be something. They've got to prove themselves to be something. They want to show off about their anointing. I say that in quotes. They want to show off about their powers and their abilities. And they want to impress the people. No servant of God is interested in impressing anybody. You will say your message and walk off, whether people like it or not. I mean, you know what? Nine out of ten people will probably not thank you for it. They wouldn't like what you're saying because the message of God is not pampering. It isn't pampering. It calls us to order and sobriety. But all the feel-good messages we're hearing all over the place, the messages that absolutely contradict the message in Scripture, and people will tell you, oh yeah, that, that's what they're saying. The, people find my preaching and my, and my teaching very bizarre. A lot of people do anyway. They find it really bizarre. And I've said it myself so many times that I, I'm not a preacher of this age. I, quite honestly, I don't belong in this age. 
because we have an age of idolaters now, people who don't like God, people who don't love God, people who don't want to know about God, people who pursue God for selfish reasons. Christianity has turned to a thing, it's, turned to, it's been turned to a God will fix it show. Christianity of discontent, I call it. That is what is preached all over the place nowadays. Ask God for more. Claim your miracle. Claim your breakthrough. It's all about you. Finance this. Finance that. Breakthrough. Yeah, your success, your prosperity, yours, yours, yours. It's not about you. The message of the gospel of Christ is not about you. It's not about me. I've said it 1,000 a million times and I'll say it over and over again. Jesus did not come into the world. God did not send his son into the world as a man. To go through all the humiliation and all the pain and all the agony he went through just so that we can all enjoy good physical health. Whether you enjoy physical health or not, will you not one day die from the world? So what's all the anxiety about we've got to be healed? And people want to, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, when we're ill, we want to be healed. Fine. But the level of anxiety that is being driven, that the people are being called to concerning things like healings and, uh, and breakthroughs and miracles, it's, it's, it's untrue. What is being raised is a whole generation or generations of dissatisfied, discontent people who are supposed to be Christians. Discontent. They're never ever happy in their position. Christianity is one, look, Christianity is a, is a way of life whereby you come to the knowledge Christianity happens to us. It's not something we do. These people teach you how to do Christianity. Why? Because they do not have a message from God. They have not been sent by him. So they've got to devise nice things that are user-friendly. And that's why you have user-friendly churches and user-friendly teachings and preachings. It's your entitlement. Claim your miracle. Claim your healing. Look. God heals. If it's not your time to die yet, it doesn't matter what you've got, cancer, whatever it is. If it's not your time to die yet, you will not die of it, whether you pray or not. How many unbelievers get healed daily of the, of the nastiest diseases and sicknesses? And they don't pray. They don't even acknowledge God. A lot of them would even curse God to his face. But God is merciful. And if it's not his time yet to call someone, it doesn't matter. He will heal them anyway. Does he not give sunshine? Does God not give sunshine and rain to to both sinner and saint alike? But when you're being dragged along in anxiety, the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. But with thanksgiving, present your petitions before God. I am sick of it where I, I, I listen to people, supposedly leading people, and all they're encouraging is ask for more and ask for more and ask for more. Where does the biblical counsel that godliness with contentment is great gain? Where does that come in a picture? False teachers never preach about con- contentment. They never ever do. It doesn't even cross their vocabulary. All they tell the people is you, you deserve more. You're supposed to have more. You're a child of God. Name it, claim it, ask for more. Seek your miracle. What miracle? Jesus said very clearly, he said, look, an adulterous, a wicked and adulterous generation asking for miracles but none will be given it except the sign of jonah for as jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights so the son of man will be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights now we've seen that jesus resurrected why is his grace not sufficient for you as a believer why must he do to you personal miracles and financial breakthroughs and everything 
We've read in scripture several times that some people were sick so that God can be glorified through them. Lazarus died so that God can be glorified. Today's Christian, a little bit of a headache and they're causing it and rebuking it and do you know what? Running back and forth all over the place. They do not know what God wants to do with it. If you have to die for the glory of God, what's wrong with that? That's certainly how the early Christians lived. And all these new concepts of rejecting this and rejecting that, reject anything negative, power of positive speech, speak life into your situation and all that, turn yourself into God, you're not God. Some people will tell you you're, you're little gods, so you've got the same creative power as God. Where did that come from? All those heresies and all the nonsense that's being spoken today. Everybody wants to be something important in a church. So that what's the, what people are doing today? If they're not having, if they're not setting up their own thing called church, and putting themselves on top of it as senior pastor or whatever it is, they're having themselves being ordained as one. We do not have a right to appoint pastors and evangelists and such. They are gifted men, gifted of of Christ. He alone calls. The Bible said he himself. He gives some to be. He calls such people. But we have an army of them now. Everybody's there. Everybody wants to get involved. There's so many. Everybody's a pastor everywhere. What is going on? Why do we not any? Why don't we wait any more for the effectual call of God? Why must we all lead? This was exactly what Korah and uh, and his troop did. That's what they did. They thought, well, why can't we be leaders? We've got to be leaders. We are all holy. We all know God. And that's exactly how it is today. Everybody claims to know God. Everybody claims to have a a vision. Everybody has a dream. Everybody has a word. Everybody has some word of knowledge and all kinds of things like that. And they are coming with all kinds of nonsense. Many Christians today cannot even, they cannot even separate their Christianity from their superstitious belief and lifestyle. I have never seen it anywhere in the Bible, Old and New Testament, where demons are being cast out of believers. Is done today. I do not see anywhere in the Bible, in the New Testament church, where Peter and John and all the other apostles were telling people to gather around because if they are barren, they are going to open their wombs and give them fruit of the womb. I didn't say it. But these are the things that are going on. I don't see them gathering people together saying, okay, you're single, you must get married. So, you know, we're having a single seminar. All these user-friendly activities in the church of Christ, well... I say in the Church of Christ, these things are not in the Church of Christ, actually. They're in what is called church, but they're not the Church of Christ. And people have to come away from that misapprehension that everything that calls itself church belongs to Christ. No, it doesn't. We cannot force ourselves on the Lord. Korah tried it with his troop. They were swallowed up in the very first earthquake. And just because God is long-suffering doesn't mean he's not going to judge these people. That is why Peter said it and Jude made it clear that these people are going to be judged by God. They are going to be judged by God. Black as darkness, he says, has been reserved for them. They come in, they do not bring the people. Apostates come in and force each other. They bring people onto themselves. Onto themselves. They bring people to believe in them. To believe they are something when they are nothing. And so when I speak in certain places about you do not have the authority to do this as servants of God we do not have the authority to do that we cannot promise this we can't people freak out on me because I've bruised their egos how can I tell you I'm a pastor how can you tell me I don't have the authority to cast out sickness but have you when you speak to the sick do they immediately get up and walk off like they did in the days of Christ and the apostles because unless they do you are not operating that biblical gift 
As believers, we can pray for the sick. Yes, if it is God's will, he will heal them. If it isn't, we can pray until we are blue in the face. They will die anyway, if they are meant to die from it. But you want to tell me you've got that gift of healing? Then I want to see you operate it, use it in the same way the apostles did and the same way the Lord Jesus Christ did. You want to insist that you have the authority to cast out demons. I want to watch you do it. That's if you can find one with a demon. Because what we have nowadays is people being accused of witchcraft who are not witches. People being accused of all kinds of nonsense of which they are innocent. And I want to see, I don't want to see all that nonsense I watch, all the theatrics being done, where people are jumping up and down and sweating and screaming Holy Ghost fire endlessly. I want to see you speak to a demon, say, come out of her or come out of him. And the demon shrieking in your presence and fleeing, as they did with Jesus Christ and the apostles. Those signs, the sign gifts were given to those men for a time. They did not spend all their ministry life casting out demons and healing the sick. They did not. Paul was himself sick. He did not heal himself. Timothy was sick. Paul did not heal him. John himself, John, John was blinded by the end of his days. He didn't cast away his blindness. They didn't spend, this guy spent all their lives, all their pieces, go back and read it. All their pieces most were spent, 95% of their pieces were spent teaching us how to walk with God. Bringing us to maturity in Christ. This is still the same calling for the gifted servants of God today. But because everybody calls themselves. Everybody comes with all kinds of funny stories and funny ideologies. And all kinds of stupid, gross, childish interpretations of scripture. People want to claim the authority of Mark chapter 16. I think from verse 15 or something like that. About you should trample the snake and you should do this. You should drink poison. You should... You should Seek, raise the dead and heal the sick yes but who has displayed it these things were evidence in the apostles why must we contend with them what is the problem why can we not just stay with preaching the gospel that is the job, job enough for us to do no we want to do spectacular things because we like a bit of recognition our egos must be polished people must see us as great men and great women of God people must know us. people must come to us for deliverance must come to us for their breakthrough because we have authority they don't have. Look, in the church of Christ, everybody's a brother. We have no fathers. We have no mothers. Jesus said, you are all brothers. You are not to call anyone on earth father. I quoted that sometime this week and somebody said to me, how can you say that? Do we not have fathers and mothers in the uh, uh, biological that we call father and mother? I never had such a stupid childish spiritual argument in my life. What's your earthly father and mother got to do with the instruction of Jesus that you are not to call anyone on earth father? Jesus was talking to his worshippers, his followers. That in the body, in his body, we are not to call anyone father. But that's exactly what we have nowadays. Everybody is a father and a mother because they have chosen themselves to serve. They serve themselves and not the Lord. The rebellion of Korah. And like the Bible said, they also, like Korah, will perish. We cannot impose yourself on God. If he hasn't called you into service, you can continue serving, but one day you shall give account of the foolishness you preach in his name and the foolishness you taught in his name, where people are so discontent, people are not grateful to God, people, Christians who are anxious for everything, Christians who just want more, more, more out of God. If you are a true believer, God has done more than enough for you already. In rescuing you from death, delivering you from judgment, and giving you eternal life. That's why he said to Paul, when Paul prayed about the thorn in his flesh, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. Why is the grace of God not sufficient for many purporting believers today? 
Christianity of discontent. It does not come from the servants of God. It comes from the people who have called themselves into, into service, claiming to be servants of God. Servants of God have one message, and it's never changed, and it will never change. Nothing's going to change. We have it written down. And I, think, I believe it is task enough getting people to live as Christians already. How much more, you know, giving them new ideas and all sorts of things. We're going to spend all our lives living as Christians. It is a tough thing in the first place. So, the rebellion of Korah. That's exactly what he did. He imposed, tried to impose himself as a servant in the presence of God, as a minister of God, and he perished for that foolishness. And the same judgment awaits all those today who call themselves into service when the Lord has not called them. We have no business appointing pastors and anointing evangelists and calling prophets and things. That is not for us. Jesus gives those men to the church as he chooses. 